This episode of Dear Hank and John is brought to you by Blue Land. Did you know that uh, about 5 billion, billion? That's a de- I checked that because that's a lot. Plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles are thrown away every year. And if that's not bad enough, most cleaning formulas are 90% water, which is heavy. We're shipping around all this water using fuel when we don't have to. Every year, Americans throw away 25% more trash from Thanksgiving to New Year. This year, maybe turn the New Year's resolution into action that makes a difference by switching to Blue Land. Blue Land is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and the planet with the same powerful clean you're used to. It's a simple idea. They have refillable cleaning products. They have a nice design. I have them in my home. It looks nice on your counter. You fill the reusable bottles with water, drop in the Blue Land tablets, wait for them to dissolve, and you never have to grab bulky, heavy cleaning supplies on your grocery run ever again. And refills, because they're small and you don't have to ship a bunch of water across the country, starts at just $2.25. You can even set up a subscription or buy in bulk for additional savings. From cleaning sprays to hand soap, toilet bowl cleaner, and laundry tablets, Laundry tablets, everybody, you know what I mean. All Blue Land products are made with clean ingredients that you can feel good about. Blue Land is trusted in over a million homes, including, yeah, mine. Blue Land has a special offer for listeners right now. You can get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash dearhank. You won't want to miss it. Blueland.com slash dearhank for 15% off. Again, blueland.com slash dearhank to get 15% off. And welcome to Dear Hank and John, the special Christmas Eve edition. I prefer to think of it as the Christmas Eve edition of Dear John and Hank. Uh, we're going to have a, a comedy podcast about uh, death and also Christmas in which two brothers answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. John, did you know that Santa Claus is from Poland? Uh, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's North Polish. Oh, God. Do you have good news for me? (laughs) I mean, the best news is that that part of the podcast is over. Wait, I got more if you want it. What happens to a cat when it eats a bunch of Christmas decorations? What happens? It gets tinselitis. I don't even, that doesn't even make sense. Is tinselitis a cat disease I don't know about? Tonsillitis is a cat disease. Tinsel is the stuff you put on trees. Oh, yeah, no, that's... That's good. Do you have a third? Because they're getting worse by the joke. Yeah, sure. This one's even, this one's way worse. Why, why did uh, Santa's helpers feel so sad? Uh, because they were Elvis was dead. He, <laughs> he, had, he just had, he had low elf esteem. <laughs> Actually, that one is great. <laughs> okay. Low elf we brought him around, everybody. How- how could you think that was your third best Christmas joke when that was overwhelmingly your best Christmas joke? All right. Hank, I do have some good news. Okay. It's Christmas Eve as we're uploading this, and you know, of course, what that means. Aside from all of the religious and secular implications, the gift-giving, the trees, the whatnot, most importantly, it is the 476th anniversary of Sir Isaac Newton's birth. Oh, that is, I'm so happy. Thank he gave you. us gravity, can, Hank. Can he I gave send us gravity. A, thank you for creating gravity. Without you, none of this stuff on my desk would stay there. I'd have to have special bulbs to drink out of. Peeing would be a complete disaster every day. 
I think peeing would be hilarious, actually. <laughs> no, it would be a disaster. You could pee in any direction that you wanted to, and it would just go forever. Speaking of which, Hank, we got to get to our first question, which comes Already? from my son, Henry. Okay. Henry has requested that we answer his question. Is it a Christmas question? Uh, Can you make I mean, it a Christmas in a roundabout question. way? Can you modify it to way. be Christmassy or Isaac Newtony? Either of those. All right. Well, it's very Isaac Newtony, but I'm going to make it Isaac Newtony and Christmassy. Are you ready? Excellent. Okay, Hank. This question is from Henry. What would happen if Santa Claus fired a gun in space? <laughs> is it a Christmas gun? It's a Christmas gun. The answer, John, is that if Space Santa fires a Christmas gun in space, it's the, it's just like the same as uh, as anything else, except that uh, that uh, Space Santa will be pushed backwards in the, the right. same amount that Space Santa would get pushed backwards by firing a gun on Earth. Uh, it's just that uh, there would be nothing to stop. Like, he wouldn't have any way of stopping himself. So he would move backward as the bullet moved forward. Um, and But more yeah. than moving backward, wouldn't he sort of begin to, like, spin like he probably begin to do yes. kind of flips because yeah. it, it, it's happening toward the top of his body which i would think would sure lead to some flips so he'd be kind of flipping backwards in the reverse direction mm-hmm. of the gunshot and then the bullet would be i assume moving in the direction in which you fired it yep. either until it hit say jupiter or the sun or until no. the end of all time <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, if you fired it directly out away from planet Earth, yeah, it might not even escape the gravity of the planet. It would probably... So, I mean, orbital mechanics are really weird, John. So you think that if you're in space... Like we're, if I'm assuming that Santa is in orbit around Earth, am I correct? No, 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 about no that, that is incorrect. Oh, Santa okay. is not in near Earth orbit. I will okay. read you the question again. I'm sorry that there seems to have been some confusion <laughs> about this, but the question is like nine words long. What would happen if Santa, Santa. fired a Christmas gun in <laughs> space? Okay, not in near Earth orbit, not from the International Space okay. Station, in space, halfway to Mars. I think Santa well, shoots even that gun. Okay. The bullet would go for a long time in the direction in which it was shot unless <laughs> it ended up in like <laughs> orbit of Earth or orbit of the sun or orbit of Jupiter or something, in which case like one of those gravity wells would eventually probably suck it in or else it would just be in the sun's orbit forever, in which case it would kind of be another planet. Well, no, it would it would just be like like one of a number of other little pieces of space dust out there. I would like to think of it as our smallest planet. <laughs> this is the whole civilization on it. It's got um, its own tiny. Chris- it, we have a we have a tiny. <laughs> I'm very fond of the idea that somewhere there might be a bullet orbiting the sun forever. That's like an inch long and about like half an inch in diameter. That contains a tiny little civilization. Right. And it's always Christmas because it was fired from a Christmas gun. That's right. And probably because of the weirdness of space time, the way that it's traveling through space makes it so that it's perpetually Christmas. And it's called (laughs) Christmas land. And it's a bullet in orbit around the sun. It's our fifth planet. It's between Mars and the next one. The big, I mean, I feel like the big question here is how, so like when we burn stuff on Earth, you need oxygen. But yeah. but for gunpowder to go off, you don't need that because the oxygen is built in. That's what makes it gunpowder, mm-hmm. um, is that it has a lot of uh, oxidizer 
inside. It's, it's built in. When we talk about these uh, these explosive compounds, they often have like lots of oxygen in the compounds, and that makes them able to self-oxidize. So we don't need atmosphere to shoot a gun. You can do it in space. Uh, it's probably, in general, not recommended uh, because you might hit a space station or something, and that would be bad. But in a very particular circumstance, you can create a perpetual Christmas civilization that orbits the sun or possibly just shoots out forever for and ever. All right, Hick, I think we've addressed that one. Let's move on. Okay, uh, this next question uh, comes from Leah, who asks, Dear Hank and John, it is December and I love my neighborhood during this time of the year. Most houses on my street put up pretty decorations for the holidays, except that one that's Two Houses from the End still has a scarecrow with a Joker mask that was awesome at Halloween, but now it's a week from Christmas. I walk past this thing every day on the way to school, and I just want it to be gone. This this house even has Christmas decorations up, but they refuse to get rid of the Joker scarecrow. Wait, isn't that two different Batman villains? I'm confused. What do I do? Do I put a note on their door? No. No. Do I move? Do I sneakily put a Santa hat on it at night? Yes. Please help. See you, Leah. Yeah, I think you just put a Santa hat on them, and then you call it Christmassy. If it's still there in February, you have reason to be concerned. Right. My neighborhood is not into Christmas decorations, which really I don't like. Uh, and I recently put the lights up on our house and my across the street neighbor came up to me and she was like, I just want to say thank you so much for putting Christmas lights on your house. We're kind of too old to do that now. It's a lot of work and it's cold out, but it's really nice to see somebody go through a little bit of effort. And I was like, well, it was a little bit, you know, like not a lot of effort was had. Yeah. So it was nice to be appreciated. I personally don't set up Christmas lights because I'm not trying to call attention to myself. But you do you, Hank. <laughs> it's like Christmas lights. That's like that's like wearing Gucci slides to work. Exactly. I'm not, try- not trying to call attention to myself. No need that's... to brag. You can afford lights, fancy pants. You can just light up outside for no dang reason other than to make people happy. Uh, I like I like Christmas lights so much. Oh well. I think that's great, and I support you 100%. I just don't want to do it myself. (laughs) Okay, Hank, this next question comes from Liz, who writes, Dear Green Brothers, if I die here in line for the Christmas special edition of Pirates of the Caribbean and they prep my body for Davy Jones's locker, will they take my contacts out? Will they even check to see if I'm wearing contacts? Liz. That's, Liz, I have a story to, to, to answer your question with. Uh, so so okay. There's this couple. Um, they've gone to visit St. Petersburg in Russia on Christmas Eve, and they yeah. it starts to like that way that it does when it like it's raining, but is it snowing or is it raining? And it's a little bit in betweeny. Wintry mix. I, yeah, it's a wintry mix. And the guy says, "I think it's raining," and the woman says, "No, no, I think this is snow." And but they're not from there, so they decide to ask the uh, the communist officer who's who's uh, nearby, the the guy who's you know, sort of like on guard. And, uh, and the guy says, hey, uh, officer, uh, what's your name? And the guy says, I'm Officer Rudolph. And, and then they say, is this rain or is it snow? And then Officer Rudolph says, it is definitely raining. And then he just walks off. And then the man turns to his wife and says, see, Rudolph the Red knows rain, dear. Oh. There's so much that I don't like about that joke. But if you don't mind, I'd like to highlight a few of my favorite parts. <laughs> 
My favorite part of the joke that you just told <laughs> is that it was ostensibly set in St. Petersburg during the, I, I guess, during the when the Communist Party led the USSR. Sure, At yes. which time St. Petersburg was not known as St. Petersburg. <laughs> it was known as Leningrad. <laughs> not my best work. That's my favorite the, thing about Thanks for the correction. That's it's, the best part of the joke. The other parts of the it. joke were all very unfunny. <laughs> <laughs> but the part where you didn't know the name of Leningrad was pretty good. So you're saying that they're not communist in Russia anymore? Oh, no. No. What um, is it then? It's totalitarian igarchy. Totalitarian. <laughs> yeah. It's, hey. it's, it's great, Hank. We should really adopt it here. And indeed, some would argue that we are in the process of adopting it. Liz, let me answer your question. If you get an autopsy, they definitely take out your contacts. That's part of the autopsy process. If you don't... Why do you know this? Oh, you know, Hank, I just, I know a lot about being dead. I spend a lot of time thinking about it. Okay. I don't understand why other people don't spend a lot of time thinking about death. It's a big deal. You're right, John. It is a big deal, but I don't wear contacts. <laughs> <laughs> sure, neither do I. But, you know, idle curiosity will take you in weird places. <laughs> Liz, I don't know if they're going to take out your contacts, but I do know that if you put it in your will that you oh. want your contacts taken out, they definitely will do that. So put it in your will. <laughs> you can tell them what to do. Yeah. So I do need a will so that I can tell them not to bury me without my glasses because oh I want to see stuff and I want to look normal. I want you to put me in my normal clothes and my jammy pants and my hoodie and my glasses. Please tell me that you're kidding and you have a will. I went to see them and I had a meeting oh and my we God. talked about it and then I'm working on it. It was like a year and a half ago. I'm okay. not working on it. You're not working on it because if there's one thing I know about Hank Green, it's that if he starts something within a year and a half, it's finished. <laughs> it's either finished or not going to get done. <laughs> yeah. Hank, you need a will. I mean, Liz needs a will, but you really need a will because- <laughs> Thanks, John. Not having a will <laughs> is going to be a tremendous inconvenience to me if you yeah. die. Like, I am going to have a huge problem. Think about me. <laughs> The okay, most John. important person in the universe. That's uh, that's motivating. You know, like, I mean, honestly, like, I feel like most people I know could, could, like, handle it, figure it out. But now that I'm thinking about you trying to handle it and figure it out, you're right. I do need to give you some guidance. I don't want to cause you more stress <laughs> I mean, than necessary. I would take that personally, but you're right. <laughs> okay, John, we have another question. This one comes from Blitzen, who asks, what do a Christmas and a cat in the desert have in common? What? Sandy Claus. I mean, it's so much better than that Rudolph joke. (laughs) So you got to bring it down so you can bring it back up. It's hard to get mad at you. This next question comes from Kylie who writes, Dear John and Hank, I met my best friend's new boyfriend recently. His name is Isaac Newton. She's crazy (laughs) about him. And he seems like a good guy. But when my friend and I left the room and I came back to the living room first, I Uh saw him spitting in my friend's fish tank. (laughs) I asked what he was doing and he said it was an accident. But I don't know how you can accidentally (laughs) spit into a fish tank. 
Should I tell my friend? It's been a week and I have no idea how to bring it up, Kylie. The amazing news is that at least he's a terrible liar. Like, that's always a good thing to have in a boyfriend. You know? Like, you're like, you're like, what what were you doing? Oh, accident! I don't know. I was I was walking by the fish tank and I I accidentally stopped and very deliberately dribbled my spit out into the fish. No, look, Isaac was just trying to get the fish to eat his spit, which is a yeah. thing that you do when you're nine. And then I know Isaac exactly grew up happened. and hadn't done it in a while and was like, yes. ah, I should try that again. Yes, it's fine. I, that is exactly what happened. Like Isaac probably fishes and Isaac when fishing often like yeah. spits into the lake and notices that sometimes fish come up to the surface to try to eat what they initially think is food and then quickly realizes human spit. Yeah. That is what was happening. Isaac is not being like a complete weirdo. Like it's it's a little weird, <laughs> it's but it's little, not yeah. it's not cause for alarm. And Kylie, I think that you need to keep this one to yourself because <laughs> If I'm being perfectly honest, I think I think I'm imagining that Kylie look, Kylie, if you're thirty-two years old or seventy, <laughs> yeah. then yeah, maybe bring it up. But like if you're fifteen, I I, I think that I might have done that when I was fifteen and over at <laughs> Yeah, over totally. at someone's house. I was going to say over at my girlfriend's house, but I didn't have a girlfriend, so sure. over at a, a buddy's house. I. I think you've got to just hold on to this one and then maybe bring it out when they get married at the wedding. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is a good one for the back pocket for just in Casey's. I don't know what that Casey is, but it might be out there somewhere. The other time that you might want to use it is when like Isaac completely breaks your best friend's heart. And you're like, listen, yeah, I mean, I know it sucks that you broke up with Isaac. He's a good guy and everything. And I'm sorry that he dumped you. But uh, yeah, born on Christmas, calculus and all that. Yeah, discovered gravity, etc. But he spit in your fish tank. I saw it. I saw it happen. And then he said it was an accident, which is just <laughs> clearly untrue. <laughs> Bad lie. <laughs> it's such a 15-year-old lie, though. Like, oh I, I feel myself being 15 and doing something really embarrassing and just being like, it was an accident. I don't know. How, how did I get here? What happened? What? Who? I, I don't know. <laughs> I blacked out. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I have, I, this happens sometimes to me. I'm sorry. It's not embarrassing. It, 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 it's an embarrassing thing to get caught for. It's not as embarrassing as like a lot of things that you could get sure. caught for. You That's know? true. That's absolutely true. All right, John. This next question comes from Ash, who asks, Dear Hank and John, I'm testing for my driver's license fairly soon. And so, oh, thank as God. A- Does that mean that the Christmas jokes are over? <laughs> I mean, who knows? <laughs> As soon as, and as a Christmas gift from some relatives, I was given a copy of the official Florida driver's handbook. It's actually a birthday yeah. gift, but we're changing it. This was very nice and all, but there's one problem. I don't live in Florida. I don't even live near Florida, and neither do the relatives that gave me that handbook. I really appreciate them thinking about me, but I don't know what to do with this driver's handbook that doesn't contain information that is relevant to the state in which I live. What do I do with it? Dubious advice is always appreciated. Not from a fireplace, Ash. I actually know the answer to this. Do you know this? Uh, Absolutely not. Okay. So the state of Florida's driver's manual is like the national driver's manual. Like it is the equivalent of passing the California bar. So if you study and memorize the state of Florida's rules, those rules apply in every other state. So that's why they gave you the Florida state one. Hmm. Weird. 
I just I, made that up. Oh God, I was so on board. <laughs> Dang it! Speaking, you're so credible, and oh God, I I like pride myself on doing that to other people, and then I hate it when people do it to me. Just remember, sounding credible is not the same thing as being credible. It's a lesson, Hank. It's a lesson. We, we have learned an important lesson, and I don't think that I, at this point, care what you do with your driver's license handbook. Let's just move on. I'm mad. All right, Hank. This next question comes from Mariah, who asks, Dear John and Hank, as an avid fan of Timothy Chalamet, I take offense to the joke of breaking up with him. I do not know how anybody can even think about getting out of a relationship with Timothy Chalamet because he is so precious and talented and amazing. I should add, Hank, that this was one of about 100 emails we received that were (laughs) broadly on this topic, but this was the most impassioned one. As I am pondering over the brilliance of Timothy Chalamet, I cannot get over his astounding performance in Call Me By Your Name and Lady Bird, I thought about why humans have the tendency to put people they admire on golden pedestals. Why do we do it? What do we get from it? Is it wrong or does it have its advantages? And if it is unhealthy, how do I stop doing it to people who clearly have flaws and make mistakes just like I do? People who aren't Timothy Chalamet. All I want for Christmas is answers, <laughs> Mariah. You really brought it around there, Raya, through your question, starting out at like uh, being pretty defensive of Timothy Chalamet and then and then realizing maybe that there's some more complexity to it than that. I uh, have myself never been in a romantic relationship with Timothy Chalamet, so I don't really know what it's like, uh, and I probably won't ever, is my guess. I mean, Hank, you know what? Don't give up. Have you ever been in a relationship with Timothy Chalamet? Well, no, not yet, but I'm not willing to close the door on it completely. He's incredibly <laughs> handsome and talented. Like, who knows what the future holds for me or Timothy Chalamet? That's right. I mean, why close any door that doesn't need to be closed? No, I mean, there's a few people I'll close the door on. I'm not going to have a relationship with Bob Barker. <laughs> well, you, you found one. That's good. John, why do we put people on golden pedestals? And where do we get the golden pedestals? And why don't we melt them down for more useful uses? Yeah, so that uh, rich people can collect them in bars. (laughs) I think we put people on golden pedestals because there is this natural... I... I remember, I I don't know the answer to your question, Hank, but I remember when I first started to feel like a lot of people, especially young people, were looking up to me. And when I started to get a lot of fan mail and stuff like that, right around the time Paper Towns came out in 2008, I remember trying desperately everywhere I went to say, we have to imagine other people complexly. And I was talking about the theme of Paper Towns, but I was really talking about me, right? Like I I was also talking about like, I desperately wanted people to see me as a person and not to have like a set of expectations for me that were different from the set of expectations they might have for anyone else. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I didn't want them to see me as uh, some larger than life figure. And I remember I was talking about that with my therapist and my therapist was like, yeah, but they're gonna. Because mm-hmm. you can't you can't remain on that same person to person scale when a lot of people are paying attention to your work. And that's just reality. And denying that reality, which is what I tried to do for a long time, didn't do me any favors. And I also think ultimately it didn't do my audience, you know, any favors. So 
I don't know if it's natural, uh, but it's definitely been part of the human story for a really long time. Like it's, it, it's older than our ideas about celebrity. Like definitely yeah. the the celebrity worship in contemporary culture is a fairly new phenomenon. But I think the underpinnings of it are not are right. not that new. Like there it's have ta- been famous people and powerful people for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's tapping into something that that is human. I think. Yeah. And. And I also think that it is sometimes tapping into it in very intentional ways and sometimes in unintentional ways. So sometimes this happens as a side effect and sometimes it is done to us on purpose with the goal of, you know, exploiting that feeling. And I don't think that Timothy Chalamet is doing that. I think that some people are. And I think that a lot of times people, you know, I obviously thought a lot about this because it's in in many ways what, what the book I wrote is about. Um, like, how do you sort of decide what your, uh, you know, sort of resonant attributes will be, and uh, and and like sort of like put them out there over and over again into the world and be like, here is me, the simple version of me that is the thing that you can latch onto and understand as a person who is exposed to lots of different celebrities. Here is how I fit into the the sort of like celebrity pantheon, and uh, and and. You know, here's the stories that I want told about me. And and there are literally like entire industries of professionals who help make that happen. And it's weird. It is super weird. It is. I have I have been fairly near the center of it at times in my professional life. And the closer to the center of it you are, the weirder and on some level more sickening it is. The other thing about it, though, is that it almost creates this dichotomy where people are either talked about as like gods or literal gods or whatever, or they're talked about as trash or literal trash or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so you make the journey from god to piece of trash so quickly that it's very dizzying when you're inside of it. And it's also like super, super hurtful because the more people build you up, the more you start to believe that and start to kind of depend on that for your self-esteem. And then when you turn out to be a complicated person or you make a lot of missteps or you make a lot of mistakes and maybe Mm -hmm. you aren't as worthy of the platform that you've been given as you wish you were or as, you know, as, as someone else might be, then people start to say like, oh, that person is complete trash. And I've, I always feel bad for those people. I understand that there are much bigger problems in the world, but I always feel really bad for those people because even the people who I do not think have used their platform well, I don't think that they're trash. I think that they're they're human. And mm-hmm. our kind of inability to see famous people or successful people as human is 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 kind of problematic. But on the other hand, the famous people and the successful people and all of the people that feed off of them, they depend upon that culture because being famous and successful allows you to generate lots of revenue for yourself and for big corporations. John, you know, that reminds me of like the fact that Christmas trees are actually really bad at knitting. Why are they bad at knitting, Hank? Because they always drop their needles. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> They're all so much better than the reindeer and Leningrad joke that I, I'm enjoying all of them. <laughs> this next question comes from Owen, who asks, Dear Hank and John, mornings are hard. How can I get better at mornings? Like, for example, Christmas morning is is also a morning. Thanks, Owen. 
<laughs> oh, and you've got to treat every morning like it's Christmas morning. Like, That's how right. do you feel on Christmas morning? You're like, I can't wait to get out of bed and see what's in my stocking. I want you to bring that emotion to every morning and then, but no stocking. Right. So what you got, well, or yes, stocking. Yes, stocking. <gasps> yes, stocking. Here's what you got to do. You got to sign up for Hank and John's new service. It's Christmas morning every morning where we deliver to you a package every day of the week except Sunday, because let's be honest, in which uh, you can run down to the door of you and there is something that you can't wait to. Th- and then by a week in, you're like, this is terrible and I is not totally not worth it. But you can't cancel. It's a 365-day subscription, <laughs> and there is no canceling. And we're going to send you some trinket every yeah six days a week for the next 52 weeks, whether you like it or not, Owen. Yeah, and you're just going to be like, wait, didn't we get scissors before? Isn't this like the <laughs> second pair of scissors? What's happening? Sorry, we don't. We ran out of stuff. We just went to the. We just bought a thrift store, and we're sending you everything inside of it one yeah, day at a time. Yeah, just one day at a time. It's extremely in- inefficient. We are keeping the postal service in in business all along. Yeah, I mean, what has a bigger carbon footprint than mailing <laughs> Owen a T-shirt every day for 365 days? This is a terrible idea. I hate it a lot. How do you how do you get that spirit, John? How do you fill yourself with your stocking desire every morning, thinking there might be a huffy down there? So I used to be a morning person. I used to love waking oh. up in the mornings. I used to get up before everyone else in the house and make coffee and breakfast. And then I started taking this new drug that makes me extremely tired in the morning. It's not new anymore. I've been taking it for like five years. But it's just such a bummer to be tired in the morning. And now I have to drink coffee. I used to wake up, no coffee, no caffeine, just feeling like a million dollars. And now I wake up and I'm groggy and like it takes me a while to get. And, and sorry, I, I feel like I can relate both to the morning people and to the not morning people. If you're not a morning person, mm-hmm. I, I really think that the key to having a good morning is having a good evening. Like if you go to sleep at three o'clock in the morning with the TV on in the background, you're not going to have a good morning. And that's not the fault of the morning. I have to wake up early now. And I am, I don't, I just think that I'm not designed for it. I think I'm designed to wake up at nine and waking up at six 30 is always going to be hard for me. And the thing, but I have to do it. And the reason I can do it is because like, I have this responsibility that I feel very deeply that I need to take care of. And if I don't get up, that baby's going to cry and he's going to be sad and I don't want him to be sad. So that's the only thing that gets me out of bed in the morning. And honestly, like I don't like it and I don't think that I ever will. And I I think it would be much easier for me if I got could get up when I wanted to get up. But like it like having like I would never have the willpower to do it if I didn't have this responsibility that I had to take care of. Well, that will pass at some point. Like at this point, at least on the weekends, my kids wake up at their own pace and I get wow. to sleep in every weekend day and oh, it's chill. Yeah. I can't freaking wait. I mean, but they go to school. So, like, doesn't school start really early? Yeah, definitely. I remember, like, before Oren was born, the rule was that I could not call you before noon my time. And so anything that happened in the morning, I just couldn't tell you about because you had no interest in being awoken, no matter how good or big the news was. Like when I called you in 2007 to tell you that your video, Axio Deathly Hallows, had been featured on YouTube and that our lives had changed dramatically and forever, your mm-hmm. response was, I'm just waking up. <laughs> I love sleep. <laughs> 
I really love it. Like, there was that article that was making the rounds on Twitter this week that everybody was all up in arms about that said, like, all the most successful people get up at 4 a.m. And everybody was had different different fun things to say about that. Oh. Uh, and and I just thought to myself, like, I don't, like, if that's it, I don't want success. Like, to me, success is getting up at 10. That is success. That makes me not miss Twitter, by the way. Thank you. I is, bet. Is there more yeah, that's a bunch of people on Twitter being... that will make me not miss Twitter because I kind of miss it. But when you said that, I was like, "Oh, thank God, I'm gone." Everybody was mad today about Will Smith uh, being so. He, this will date the the recording of this podcast, but about Will Smith being the new Aladdin or the new genie in Aladdin. So okay. everybody had an opinion about that. I I didn't know that there was a live action Aladdin movie coming, and because I don't plan to watch it, I will never <laughs> know about it. And I, in fact, yeah. I will never have an opinion on Will Smith being the genie in Aladdin because, I mean, already I've forgotten about it. I've moved on. What's what else? What else can I not have an opinion about? Um, John, yes. Facebook has released people's private data in ways that they said that they wouldn't do, and Twitter is mad about it. Yeah, no, I did read about that. I read about it in the newspaper. It's interesting. The newspaper covered that in great detail, but didn't even mention the whole Will Smith genie thing. John, did you know, which, which newspaper did you read about it in? The New York Times. Did you know that among the companies that had special access to Facebook user data without users' permission was the New York Times? Yes, they said so in the article. <laughs> Ah, that's good. They have to. Good job, or, New mean, York was, Times. Yeah, they, they, it was nice of them to point that out about themselves. <laughs> um, also, uh, I, I follow an account called In Otter News, and uh, there's some, some otters that are pretty good. I love the idea of getting a weekly update from you on the pod about what happened on the social internet while I was gone. <laughs> Did I miss anything? Yeah, you could just listen to delete this. That's pretty I do, much that but then podcast. I, I don't. I feel like I don't get. I don't. I don't get the full picture. Like I don't think you would have talked about the Will Smith thing. No, I probably wouldn't have. Yeah. Um, Nathan Peterman, who is a quarterback, has signed with the Oakland Raiders. John, <laughs> is that like the number one trending topic on it's, Twitter? It is a trending topic. Along, I would with, have clicked uh, that, thinking, "Is Nathan Peterman a name related to the Russia investigation?" And been like, <laughs> "Oh no, Nathan Peterman's just an NFL player." Yeah. Oh well. Yep. But oh man, when a, when news is breaking, like, but but I'll say, but I will say this: when news is breaking. I get that news in the past tense, right? Like I get that mm-hmm. news, what happened earlier today or what happened yesterday. When you're on Twitter or even Reddit, you get the news and it feels so present tense. It feels like it is unfolding before your eyes. Like when Michael Flynn was sentenced uh, recently or not sentenced as it happened, that news as it was unfolding it took like four hours there were like multiple court sessions and everything it must have been so exciting on twitter and like all i did was get a new york times article about it and i and it felt so over it felt so past tense and that made me really miss twitter but like not in a healthy way which reminds me john that this podcast is brought to you by christmas it's a holiday that happens tomorrow or today or in the future, I don't know when you're listening to the podcast. And also today's podcast is brought to you by Sir Isaac Newton. Sir Isaac Newton, today celebrating 468 years of magic. Not magic, science. This podcast is also brought to you by the Scarecrow Joker in a Santa hat. It's so many different things. And lastly, today's podcast is brought to you by PodCon. 
PodCon oh. is coming soon. It's we're going to so be soon. in Seattle. If you like the Anthropocene Reviewed or Dear Hank and John, we're going to be doing live versions of those podcasts uh, live in front of actual audiences at PodCon. It's going to be really fun. Yeah, there's going to be li- there's going to be like dozens of different live podcasts that are going on. We've got together uh, a bunch of just the like coolest weirdos we could find to like people who are legends of podcasting and people who have really smart and interesting perspectives and I'm so excited about it and if it's Christmas Eve right now and you're like oh man I didn't get anything and I'm panicking you could get a PodCon ticket for your friend right now for whoever that person is you can get one for both of you it's available at PodCon.com it's going to be in Seattle, Washington January 19th and 20th this episode of Dear Hang John is brought to you by Thrive Market. Thrive Market is there to help you maintain the kinds of habits that you want to have. For me, I need to have the right kind of food in the house or I will eat whatever. Oreo recently sent me some free fancy Oreos. They were weird. I ate all of them. I ate all of them in a week and it was a problem. I can't do that. I need to have healthy, good stuff in the house and Thrive Market can help you have healthy habits. It's a great go-to for all your grocery and household essentials and the convenience of getting everything online and then like just quickly ship to the doorstep. It's a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with great ingredients and sourcing methods. They got Amy's, Banza, Burt's Bees, Chobani, Honest Kids, Kind, Mike's Hot Honey, Oatly, Olipop, Poppy, Salt, I've never heard of salt, but it's got two A's in it, so it has to be good. And as a Thrive Market member, you can save money on every single grocery order. On average, you can save over 30% every time. And they also have a deals page that changes every day. When you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order, plus a $60 free gift. I enjoyed my $60 free gift. I was surprised by it, and it was the kind of thing I wouldn't have bought. And then now I'm like on the ghee train. They gave me free ghee. And I was like, I don't know what ghee is. But then I was like, oh, this is great. It's like butter, but it's different and more spreadable. <laughs> Go to thrivemarket.com slash dearhank for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash dearhank, thrivemarket.com slash dearhank. All right, Hank, before we get to the all-important news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon, let's answer one last question from Devin, who writes, Dear John and Hank, I'm currently helping my parents replace the floors in their retirement house, and I need to know, what should I hide under the floorboards? My friends have suggested nice. a piece of paper with random dates and numbers Ooh. or a still-beating human heart. Mm. I'd love to have your input. <laughs> Thanks, Devin. This... Devin, I feel like you've got one great friend and one really troubled friend. I really regret not having done this when my house was under construction. I'm like, why didn't I go to the thrift store and buy a creepy doll and put it in the walls? Yep. I agree. It's a great thing to do. When my friends Laura and Ryan were redoing their house, they found an entire unpublished manuscript of a novel in the floorboards of their house. And, the interesting thing about that is that the novel was very bad, but because it was under the floorboards of their house, they read the whole dang thing. So if you want to make sure wow. that like 80 years from now, at least two people read your novel, 
stick it stick it in your house somewhere <laughs> hide it in the walls maybe did it just need like some editing maybe like like could you make it could you do a little no, workshop no, no. we we read we read some paragraphs t- together and it was like epically bad <laughs> oh was, no but you know what hank it's not about the quality of the novel that you hide under the floorboards although maybe it is like if you hide a sure. really good novel yeah. under the floorboards uh-huh. then like there's a pretty good chance that 100 years after your death somebody's going to be like oh i could publish this under my name and make some money oh no no it's got to be the story the story is the no, thing that sells the, the sells the book is. Yeah, that I would either do. I would either do that. I would either do like a manuscript for something, mm-hmm. or I would. I love a good code. Yeah, yeah. But don't make it random. I want a code that can actually be cracked, and when it's actually cracked, oh, it leads to like God, a different that part would of be the house. So cool! And then where you, you dig got, up like, and you find like yeah. a bunch of old coins, like fifty bucks or something. Yeah, and in like old pennies. Right, but, but in the future, they're gonna th- those will be worth like. 10 bucks <laughs> or or they'll be worth a ton of money because like there'll be a global shortage of zinc or or they'll be worth nothing because the monetary system will have collapsed <laughs> so so what we're saying is berry beans something that will actually be valuable cans of beans <laughs> 50 gallons of water and some canned vegetables. That's our recommendation. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Preppers Weekly with Hank and John. <laughs> it's good to have a bunch of beans in the walls, John, because then if real doomsday really happens, you remember like, actually, there's a bunch of beans in the walls. Okay, it's time to get to the all-important news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon. Hank, I'll let you go first this week because I don't want to talk about it. So, John, the Mars InSight lander has used for the first time the robotic claw that comes down and grabs stuff off of the top of the lander and puts them on the surface of Mars because you need to get these things touching the surface so that they can hammer their nail down into the thing and they can be sitting on the surface feeling the vibrations of Mars. Uh, You need these things to get off the lander. And so there's like this basically a claw game where the little claw comes down and it grabs this standard peg that comes out of the top of uh, of all of the various equipments that need to get moved off of the off of the lander and uh, in order to prep for that it did a lot of like looking at the ground around the lander to find the correct place where they want to put these things and it has uh, done it and it has operated and it did it and it worked great yeah all right so we're on track we're on track John it's going to take a while for everything to get off onto the planet where it can start doing the science, but uh, but it looks like it's going to work, which is nerve-wracking. And so many things have to go right. Like, first, yes, hardest part, landing. But also, something very small could go wrong, and then this mission becomes much less valuable, though it will still do some science. Like, if that process didn't work, um, then it would be, it'd be a pretty big disaster. So very happy, very good news for all the scientists at NASA and elsewhere who are going to be relying on this data. That is great news. You know it's not great news? Yeah, I'm sorry. AFC Wimbledon lost 2-0 to Charlton Athletic. Not an unexpected result given that Charlton are in fifth and uh, Wimbledon are in last. Uh, But a little bit of a disappointing result because Charlton got a red card 40 seconds into the game. And so Wimbledon had an excellent 
opportunity to play 11 people against 10 people for 89 minutes and 20 seconds. But instead, we only got to play 11 against 10 for 33 <laughs> minutes before Mitch oh. Pinnock received a red card. Uh, oh. He received a second yellow for simulation. I'm not sure that it was a dive, but I'm also not sure that it oh, wasn't a dive. simulation. Okay. Simulation. So uh, Wimbledon got a red card, then it was 10 versus 10, and uh, we aren't good enough to beat Charlton 10 versus 10. Most heartbreakingly, uh, Charlton's first goal was scored by none other than the Montserratian and Messi, Lyle uh, Taylor. Lyle! Why you gotta do it? I will Don't say do it dirty. in Lyle Taylor's defense that he did not celebrate the goal. He obviously felt a little conflicted about it, but still it was absolutely wrenching to see Lyle Taylor in a different shirt scoring a goal against AFC Wimbledon. Wimbledon went on to lose 2-0. Uh, you know, I was going to say something hopeful here. We're six points away from safety at the moment. That's a long way. Um, yeah. On the other hand, it's only two wins. So, admittedly, we've only won three games so far this season. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but if we can somehow uh, bring ourselves to win more than, uh, I don't know. I, 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 it was always going to be hard to stay in League One, and it's proving to be very hard. So does that mean Lyle Taylor is going to move up next year? Uh, Lyle Taylor has a pretty good chance of moving up next year. Um, right now, he wouldn't. Uh, or he, right now, they would go to the playoffs, and then may, you know, then they have a twenty-five percent chance to move up. But I wish the best for Lyle Taylor. I mean, I, but it's disappointing to see him. In, in the same league as Wimbledon and not playing for Wimbledon. It's just a bummer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, but I get it. It's football, man. Maybe maybe we should have the – you should change – you should just be uh, the news from Lyle Taylor. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that's no, not really no person thing, is but... No person is bigger than the football club. And, 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 like, that's kind of the – you know, that's the underlying lesson of Wimbledon is that – no individual, even well, a wealthy owner, uh, gets to determine the future of something. And you got to go through. I, I mean, it sounds so cliche, but it's true. You have to go through hard times together uh, and prove that you can stick together in those hard times in order to uh, to come out on the other side. The only way out is through, as Robert Frost put it. And that uh, reminds us all, John, of what happens when Santa accidentally goes down a chimney while the fire is lit. Which is? You get a crisp Kringle. (laughs) Again, a terrible joke, but much better than the (laughs) earlier Rudolph joke. I am so here for our new Christmas tradition, John. I can't wait until... Every Christmas, it's going to be a Christmas joke-tacular. I can't, yeah, I can't wait for our next year Christmas when I just like have to go even further into the dregs of this barrel that is not super full of great content. Well, we're counting on our listeners to send in high quality Christmas jokes for next year. In the meantime, thanks to everybody for listening. And Hank, thank you for potting with me. John, thank you for potting with me as well. This podcast is edited by Nicholas Jenkins. Our producers are Rosiana Hals, Rojas, and Sheridan Gibson. Our head of community and communications is Victoria Bonjorna. You can email us your questions, please. Email us your questions. We love them and we love answering them at hankandjohn at gmail.com. The music you're hearing right now is from the great Gunnarola. And as they say in our hometown... Don't Don't forget forget to be be awesome. awesome.